Hey, it's Tony and Jenny Bruski from Real Ghost Stories Online. We absolutely love giving you the show every single day, Monday through Friday, for free. But uh, it's not free to produce. And if you'd like to keep the show on the air, we ask for your support and become an EPP. When you become an EPP, you get more than 23 bonus episodes of the show to listen to. These are exclusive episodes that are only available to our EPPs with some of the best stories we've ever gotten on them. Please help keep Real Ghost Stories online on the air. And become an EPP today, an extra podcast person on the website, realghoststoriesonline.com. It's only five bucks a month. You get all the extras and the knowledge that you're keeping this show going. Please and thank you. Welcome to Real Ghost Stories Online. Call in your Real Ghost Story now at 855 853 4802 or writing at com. You're about to enter the world of the unknown and quite possibly the undead. This is Real Ghost Stories Online. Today a mysterious call is placed to the police department but from a line that was disconnected. Could this call have been from a friend on the other side? Two childhood friends are visited by the same sinister looking little girl in the middle of the night. Could a lady in white be a warning to a father that his infant is in grave danger? And a deceased wife seems to be a little bit jealous of the new woman in her husband and son's life. Those stories, your calls, and more today on Real Ghost Stories Online. Tony and Jenny Bruski joining you once again. Hi. Hi. I'm excited. These sound like some interesting tales this evening. Yeah, I think so. Stories of the undead, if you will. <laughs> um, good news. I've, uh, I've I've done a little uh, research. I uh, know we have like these seasons of television shows that we watch, and Walking Dead is in season. Kind of like everything happens at once, and then we go for like six months without. Yeah. Bates Motel has returned. Oh, as well. So that's awesome. Yeah, so another dark show. Yes, I, these are shows. If you like this show, you'd probably like some of those, just because they're kind of in the same you know vein, if you will. I always like the Psycho movie, the first one. I never saw like the sequels or anything, uh-huh. but um, when I saw that 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 Bates Motel had been turned into a TV show, it was kind of like, yeah, this could be really bad. But that it is a very well produced show. Yeah, the uh, I, I I'm horrible with actresses' names, but it's the same woman who plays Lorraine Warren. It's in, very Farmiga. Okay. She plays the mom in mm-hmm. Bates Motel, in case you're keeping score at home. Uh, our phone number is 855-853-4802 if you'd like to share your real ghost story with us. Of course, you can always write it on the website at realghoststoriesonline.com as well. So lots of ways to get your story to us. Let's uh, kick off the uh, show today with a letter. It says, hello there. This is Leanne from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania again. I've already written in about two visits that I've received from two loved ones that crossed over. I think I feel the most comfortable telling these stories because I have validation to prove to myself and others that they are true and actually happened. I've experienced several things that I consider to be paranormal, but those incidents are more easily written off as my imagination or just plain coincidence. To me, the story I'm about to tell you cannot be a mere coincidence. To protect the the privacy of those involved, I've changed the names of the individuals about whom I'm about to tell you. There was a girl who my sister went to elementary school with named Allison. They'd always been friendly with each other, as the elementary school was very small and every student knew each other pretty well. But in adulthood, they became closer friends. I also became friends with her, even though I was four years older. We also got to know her boyfriend, Pete. 
One day, I was getting ready to take my son to a soccer game, and my sister came out of her house and told me that Allison had died the night before. Apparently, she accidentally overdosed because she was on pain medication and had also been drinking some alcohol, which we all know now can be a deadly combination. Both my sister and I were devastated at the news. It was such a senseless death, and we loved Allison a lot. She was vibrant, funny, intelligent, and a loving friend. Pete was also totally distraught, and even more so because he is the one who discovered Allison's body. After the funeral and burial were concluded or conducted, Pete didn't want to stay in the home that he and Allison had been sharing. It just so happened that my grandmother's mobile home was temporarily empty, and she was a snowbird and spent winters and springs in Florida. The mobile home was on my parents' property, which is also where my sister and I both had houses. So Pete and my sister and I would all be neighbors. Pete would not have a telephone, though, because my grandmother would put her phone on vacation, which meant that there would be no phone service, but the account would still be open, making it possible for my grandmother to reconnect her phone service without paying any uh, reconnection fees. The area in which we live is very rural. Therefore, we do things a little differently than people do in towns and cities. For example, we sometimes move mobile homes or campers onto our property for temporary housing for people who need a place to live. We did not get permits. We usually did not get official utilities hooked up either. We just figure it out and do it on our own. Because of this, my grandmother's mobile home did not have an official address. She used my address and got her mail at my mailbox. I just walk it over to her place every day. Anyway, Pete accepted our offer to stay in my grandmother's mobile home for a while. My sister and I would go and talk to him and hang out on a regular basis. Mainly we'd talk about Allison and how much he missed and loved her. We talked about God and about life after death. He was unsure if he believed in life after death. I firmly did. We would discuss and debate the possibilities. After a month or so, Pete found a place of his own and moved out. One night, there was a knock at my door. It was the local police, and they said that they received a 911 call from my residence. I did not make the call. My husband did not make the call. My two teenagers said they did not make the call, and my two preschoolers were asleep. I doubted that they made the call either. The police officer, who I knew personally, and I were trying to figure out what could have happened. I recalled that my grandmother used the same address as me, and we decided to go check out her mobile home, even though no one was living there on her, and her phone was on vacation. I led Officer Harold down to my grandma's house. I went in first, and we searched around with his flashlight. There was no electricity hooked up. We checked the phone line. Dead. No dial tone. We found no one at all occupying the mobile home. We were both confused and hoped that the 911 call was an accident or a fluke, and that no one really needed emergency assistance. Officer Harold left. I went back to my house, and shortly afterwards, we all went to bed. The next day, I got another phone call. Pete had died. He died the night before on February 17th, which was my nephew's birthday. My sister and I were saddened, shocked, and stunned. Then I remembered the mysterious 911 call that came from last night. Could it have been Pete letting me know that I was right? There really is life after death. The random fact that Pete died on my, nephew's bir- on my nephew's birthday is not really so random. My brother sent my nephew a birthday present all the way from Florida to Pennsylvania. It was a couple days late. We got the present in the mail on the 19th and my nephew's birthday was on the 17th. He opened the gift and it was a G.I. Joe doll. 
G.I. Joe came equipped with a plastic backpack, a rifle, and hand grenade, and camouflage uniform, including a name tag. G.I. Joe's last name was Pete's last name, too. No shit. Coincidence? No such animal. The timing of all the events and the details of Pete's last name being on the G.I. Joe doll totally convinced me that Pete was trying to connect with us from beyond. So there you have it. This is my final experience to date involving a loved one who has crossed over. It's my final paranormal experience that I can totally validate with other details. I have other paranormal experiences, which I'll tell you later. My brother Robbie, who lives in Orlando and also listens to this podcast regularly, has a few awesome stories too. Tell him to write in or call with his robot story and his horse story. Two amazing paranormal experiences and he needs the push. I thoroughly enjoy your podcast. I'm happy that my brother has introduced it to me. On a side note, the Northern Ohio, Western Pennsylvania word that means y'all is pronounced yins. Oh, and my husband and I just watched a movie, Annabelle. I was not sure if you were aware, but it is based on a true story. Have a great night and happy hunt haunting. Okay, we all know how I feel about coincidences. Mm-hmm. So I think that was a sign that there's something going on after we die. Do you think he uh, he sent the doll knowing that the last name was on it? That it was his last name? Think he looked at the name tag? Well, Pete wasn't the one that sent the doll. Oh, I'm sorry. I, for... No, that's okay. No, okay. Um, Leanne's brother. Who, okay. You know, uh, not not the nephew's dad, but it seems like there's there's sure. three siblings. I there. was confused there for a sure. Okay. No, it was just a coincidence. Okay. Supposedly, that the name on the GI Joe happened to be the same as the the fellow that died. Okay, well, that makes it even more odd. Yeah, be, yeah. Because because I could see if you're you know getting a toy for a kid and you got a good bond there, like hey, look, it's my last name. This is neat. You can play with it. Pretend it's me or something. You know. Sure. You know, but uh, if it was sent, you know, from someone complete. Okay, yeah, this makes it even more. So there's two little signs, you know, sure. the phone call and then the last name on the doll. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think it's he's just dropping some hints. I wonder how often it is that nine one one calls come in from. Uh, numbers that are not uh, working or not even connected. I don't know. That would be very interesting. I don't know how that would happen. I don't know. Very, very odd. Thank you for writing in. That was a good story. Our phone number is 855-853-4802 to share your real ghost story with us. Joy writes in, when I was seven years old, my grandpa passed away suddenly, as one would expect. My family took it hard. Several weeks later, my grandma claimed to have heard wind chimes, which she said sounded like they were in the house. Of course, there were no wind chimes in the house or outside either. She walked around looking at neighbors' homes and couldn't find anything. A few weeks later, she heard them again. My family chalked it up to her grieving and didn't think uh, think any more about it. However, this continued on and off for a few months. Not every day, but often enough. One day, my aunt was visiting, and she said that she heard the faint sound of wind chimes and turned to look towards where the sound had come from. My grandma noticed her turn her head and asked, You heard that, didn't you? Tell me you heard that. My aunt said it suddenly sounded like it was coming from everywhere, as if it were bouncing off the walls, moving through all the rooms of the house. It lasted maybe 10 to 15 seconds. And then it just stopped. Finally, they heard one last ring by the back door, and it was gone. 
My grandma never experienced it again. We believe it was my grandpa saying goodbye. Since then, I've had a love for the supernatural, or rather an interest in experiencing it for myself. I wonder why I hadn't had an experience, why he didn't say goodbye to me. My grandma knew how important this was to me and promised if it was possible to come back, when the time came for her to pass, she would. She had been gone ten years now, and I have yet to experience anything. I wonder why some people come back and others don't. I'm wondering if you can share your thoughts on that, particularly Jenny with her gift. I absolutely love you both, and I listen to you every night. Thanks in advance for your input. And with any luck, I will someday have another story to tell. Joy. Okay, I honestly have no true idea, but I have a guess. Okay. I'm thinking it has to do with the amount of energy that they're able to manipulate. So, like... The very, very, very faint sound of wind chimes may have been all that the grandfather could do. And then he was done. Okay. And it wasn't necessarily he didn't want to, you know, let you know, hey, I'm here. But if he could only do very, very faint wind chimes, that may have been it. And and who knows, after your grandmother passed, maybe she wasn't able to, you know, do anything. Maybe she wasn't, didn't come back as a ghost. I, I have to wonder sometimes, you know, a lot of times when people die, you sometimes get that really quick sign or something mm-hmm. that they're dead. I wonder if it's kind of uh, a skill, you know, to be able to manipulate things and essentially haunt, if you will, uh, or haunt to the point of people being able to recognize that you're there. Uh-huh. And I wonder if just some, you know, in life, some of us have certain skills that others do not. So I'm wondering if in death that's a skill there. Some people just pick it up right away. It's like, oh, I can do that. It's like playing the piano. Some people can really just pick that up. Yeah. Some people sit there and struggle forever and just give up. I, I wonder if that's how it is. Oh, okay, I'm dead, but this is what I have to do to, to make this, manipulate this, or, or get the attention. And others are like, I'm trying, I'm trying, but okay, I this- can't get it done. This is a complete cornball reference, but on the movie Ghost with Patrick Swayze, there's a scene where he's newly a ghost, and there's a guy that's been a ghost for a while kind of trying to show him how to manipulate things and how to do that, and he struggles with that. That's what comes to mind. You know, I don't know if it works that way at all, but I would think that the way you have to hone skills in life, you probably have to do that in death, too. Yeah, I mean, I think some just are able to pick it up Mm -hmm. right away, and then some of them, it just takes that much longer to to figure it out. Yeah. You know? Very interesting. I wonder if uh, Patrick's uh, riding the Swayze Express up there in the sky. So, if you come back and haunt me with the very faint sound of wind chimes, that will absolutely drive me insane. That's what's interesting to me about that story is that there was no wind chimes. Yeah. On like the porch or anything, you know. Yeah. The fact that those are manipulated sounds then. Uh, not not using an actual device. Like, I get it if they're real, their wind chimes hanging out there in the house, there's no wind and they're moving. Okay, that's... But the fact that the wind chimes are not actually there. Yeah. And the sounds... Can they do other... Can you, like, pick sounds, I wonder? Can you do, like, cat sounds or... I don't know, but I will be searching high and low trying to figure out what the source is of that sound. I think I just kind of change it up on a daily basis. Today it's cats. Tomorrow, donkeys. I'm on the brink of nuts anyway. That would just push me over the edge. (laughs) That would be hilarious. You just do a different sound. It's like those children's books. You press the button. 
Oh, you just yeah. do a different sound every day. Uh, 855-853-4802. That's our phone number here at Real Ghost Stories Online. Tam writes in, hi guys, love the show. You do such an amazing job. I enjoy listening to you every day. I'd love to share some of my experiences with you and love to hear it on the air. Well, I grew up in Tasmania in a small town called Forest. The house where I grew up never really had a bad history, as I knew of, but I knew it was haunted, even though my mom never really admitted it. I think she believed so, too. There were a few times during the night you would wake up and hear footsteps going down the passageway, coming into the bedroom, and they would make their way across the end of the bed where they would stop. I also remember my sister and I staying in the same room, and nearly once every few nights there would be something sounding like someone running their fingers across a pine-slated wall. One night, I and my sister decided to do the same thing back after hearing it, and it immediately did it again. We didn't do it after that in fear it might increase the activity. We told my mom about the noise, but she denied it, telling us it was just a rat, but we knew better. Years later, she actually admitted to me that she didn't know what the noises were. She just didn't want to scare us. When I was older, my mom moved out to be with her partner, so I and my boyfriend rented the house for a while. We came home one day and found the bed messed up and the blanket in the middle of the bed. We knew that day that we had made the bed and there was no one else in the house. I also woke one night to a ball of white light hovering between the wall and my side of the bed. I hid under the covers and woke my boyfriend so he could turn on the light. My boyfriend worked shifts, and I hated being alone in the house at night. One night, he left to go to work, and I would usually camp out of the lounge room with my two cats to keep me company. I didn't feel as scared when I had my pets around. I thought having the lights on and being with my cats would keep me safe from ghosts, but I was wrong. I was watching TV. It was around 11 at night when I went to the kitchen to make a cup of coffee. As I was waiting for the kettle to boil, I kept feeling this feeling on the back of my head. So I kept feeling the back of my head to see what it was, but nothing. It happened a few more times, but nothing. Then I looked up on the wall in front of me, and I saw a pitch black shadow of a hand. Spun around, but nothing was there. Looked back at the hand, but it was gone. I suddenly felt very, very scared and had the feeling I had just, I had to get out. So I quickly got in my car, went to my mom's for the night, never stayed in that house alone again. Now I moved out of that house, but I often wonder what or who was actually haunting it. I still have bad dreams about that house too, so in a way I suppose you could say it still is haunting me. The shadow hand Mm -hmm. makes you think that's what was messing with her. And that's just creepy. Nothing like a it. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like you get that mental image of, you know, the hand up with the knife uh-huh. to come down on you. That's just... I wonder if it can do like shadow puppets, you know, like that, or, or just like to make manipulate itself into different ways. So it's not just a hand, but like actually... So like you think you see a turtle behind you? Yeah. It does turtle sometimes. It does like <laughs> Abraham Lincoln. And then all of a sudden it has like a knife. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's sort of a shadow hand. <laughs> friendly little shadow hand. My friendly shadow hand. It'd be a great children's like t- like nursery rhyme. <laughs> okay. Uh, 855-853-4802. Kate writes in, ever since I was a little kid, I've been completely enamored by the paranormal. I've always wondered what was lurking behind the reality that we could see. And because of that... I'd often get into trouble going on adventures to abandoned houses and playing with Ouija boards when I shouldn't have. 
To set the stage, I'm currently a sophomore in high school, come from a strong Christian family, and I myself believe in Christianity. One night, which seemed like an innocent Ouija session with my friend and I, ended up releasing something that made me determined to stay far away from Ouija boards. To basically add some background information, this all took place when I was in third grade. Although, yes, that is incredibly young to remember all of this, I remember it more vividly than any other thing that happened during my elementary school years, because of the large imprint it has left on my view of the paranormal. When I was in third grade, my great-grandmother had just died, and although she had been deteriorating for quite some time beforehand due to Alzheimer's disease, knowing that she had died had deeply saddened me. It was my first taste of the idea that people could actually die, and I was sad for her loss, but I also had deep regrets for never really getting to know her. She'd been known basically as the Steel Magnolia of the family, she was flowery, graceful, and fun, but you were sure that she wouldn't take crap from anyone. I'd been hanging out at my friend's house one day when I had found myself rooting through her closet trying to find something for her. In the midst of my searching, I found a Ouija board. It looked at least a few years old, made with light, tan-colored wood and crisp, clean letters printed on the front of the board. Immediately, I ran to her room with the board in hand, asking what it was, completely enthralled by it. She told me that it was a board that you used to talk to ghosts, that you and someone else put two fingers on the planchette and wait for the ghost to spell out the letters and words. To me, this sounded amazing. The next time we hung out at my house, we made sure to play it. When she next came over to my house, we played it late that night with her sister and my brother also joining us, making four people. During the session, we kept getting strange responses from the board, saying that my grandmother had gone to hell, and that she was burning alive there. This, of course, freaked me out, and halfway through the session, my brother messed with us all by pretending that she, he was possessed by the spirit of my newly deceased great-grandmother. And although at first I was slightly freaked out, I knew deep down that he was messing with us the entire time. During this time, however, I got a deep-seated feeling that something was wrong. It wasn't with my brother, but I could feel that in the closet where we were playing in my room that something was there that shouldn't have been. However, I just brushed it off as nothing, and we quit the session after my brother had scared us. Although some people can testify to the complete opposite, I don't believe that the statements from the board came from my brother. Sure, he wanted to freak us out, but he did nothing more than drool and pretend that his eyes were rolling back in his head. I went to bed that night as well, as the night after that soundly, but still with the feeling that something wasn't quite right. After a few nights of sound sleep, though, something finally happened. I remember waking up during the middle of the night, suddenly, for what seemed like no reason. I remembered opening my eyes and seeing what in front of me, what was in front of me, and I was so startled that for a few seconds I was frozen and unable to breathe. It may sound cliche, but... Not even two inches from my face was a little girl at what looked to be the age of seven or eight. She had short black hair with her bangs lying on her forehead. She was in what looked like a red dress with white lace in front, but the most terrifying part of her was her eyes and smile. This wasn't your classic cute innocent girl type smile. She was grinning from ear to ear in a sinister way that sent chills down my spine. And she had teeth that were uneven, crooked, and almost looked like spikes. 
Her eyes looked like tiny black pools with a slight red glow to them. When I finally worked up the courage to yank the covers over my head, I stayed under them until I finally fell asleep. I don't know how long later. The next day when I woke up and eagerly told my mom what I had seen and how afraid I was, at first when she didn't believe me I kept telling her what I had seen in as much detail as possible over and over until eventually she realized that I wasn't kidding. While I was at school that day, my mom went into my room and prayed in it until she felt that it was gone, although she wouldn't tell me what she had done until several years later. However, I feel like it isn't quite gone, just suppressed. At what seems like the strangest times, I will be in my room, minding my own business, when my closet door, where the original session took place, will open eerily with no provocation. I've had horrible nightmares about my closet as well as things under my bed, and whenever a new friend has come over to hang out, they almost always remark on how strange my room and closet are, or how they don't like my bed. These people have never had any knowledge of a ghost or Ouija session taking place in my closet. I do not believe that this thing is good in any way, but that it is absolutely demonic. A few days after I saw the apparition, I told my friend what I had seen, and starting... starting, starting I can't say this word. I'm stuck on it. Startlingly. There we go. There you go. I was missing the other T. Startlingly, she told me that she had seen the same thing, and she told me her story in as much detail as I had told mine. She said that I must have happened, or must have happened the same night that it happened to me, because she had been sleeping and had a nightmare, where she had felt a bump underneath her covers, and she had lifted them up, only to describe the same girl that I had seen, staring back at her. She told me that she promptly woke from the dream, startled, and that she had by chance looked out her window. Out the window she had seen a girl with short hair, bangs, and a red lace dress walking down the hill to where my house was. After she had told me this, I was incredibly frightened. It was no coincidence that we were both suddenly jolted awake in the middle of the night, only to see the same exact thing. After all of this happened, I finally realized that what the Ouija board had said that night was definitely not the doing of my brother. During the last session at my friend's house with the board, I was on the board by myself, something you definitely should not do, while my friend was doing some quick chores for her mom. The board kept telling me the same thing that it had told me during the previous session, that my great-grandmother had gone to hell, and that she was burning alive. Upon seeing this message about my grandmother, I promptly realized that it must have been a lie. Closed up the board and put it back in the closet, until my friend got rid of the board a few years later. I could keep going on and on about the other weird things that have happened, but I feel that I have already talked about it long enough. Thank you so much for looking at my incredibly long story. I have plenty of other small experiences to share. I love your podcast. Keep up the good work. Thank you so much. So what I'm wondering is if your other experiences were as dark as this one or if this was kind of the one-time demonic show up. That it went that far? Yeah, I'm wondering if this, I mean, because it happened to both of them, I mm-hmm. think it, it has something to do with possibly the Ouija board, but I'm wondering if that was the end of it. Uh, or if it will be the end of it. If there's more to come. I don't know about that. It just depends on how... I mean, this was a long time ago. Sure. 
that it's interesting because sometimes those stories, um, especially when with the Ouija boards, you have, well, we did this like when we were kids and now we're 20 something or 30 something and something is reoccurring that can be somewhat traced back. You're right. We do get those. I'm just wondering since that happened so quickly afterwards, if sure. it has happened again. Yeah, it would be interesting to, to, to find out. And it's interesting that the board would say those things about the uh, the grandma. We've had other stories where something was saying horrible things yeah. like that. It's interesting because it's like it, it, it almost, it, it really, it, it took a path with this one. A lot of times it takes the path of, I'm going to kind of manipulate you a little bit. You know, like, hi, it's grandma. I baked some cookies here on the other side and I'm burning in hell. You know, and, you know, something like that. Yeah. You know. Um, it doesn't like usually go right to the, it, it's not a very good storyteller, this, this Ouija board or whatever demon they're talking to. It doesn't really know how to craft a story well. Oh, the we, the demon, the demon, the demon's not a good, you know, he told the punchline too quick. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it has, knows nothing about story writing. You know, you got to kind of build to the climax of the story, you know, and it just went right to it. But speaking of storytelling for being a sophomore in high school, I thought this was very well written. Yeah, I agree. I thought it was great. I agree. Although sometimes, you know, I think <laughs> I look back at uh, just uh, things I was doing in high school or like writing, and I had much better like penmanship. I don't know about storytelling. Maybe that's improved over the years. But sometimes uh, math, certainly I was doing better at that then. It's one of those things where when sometimes for me anyway, when the skills were like being, you know, just hone into me of math or writing or whatever. I was much better at them at that point in time. To use it or lose it. Yeah, pretty much. And uh, I mean, I, you know, give me a math textbook, third grade level, and I'm going to be lost at a certain point. <laughs> yeah. Like long division. I don't even remember how to do it. <laughs> I, I I can do multiplication. Yeah. I, can do, I can do long multiplication. I can handle that. Um, but I, I don't remember how the process is. And I, that always confused me even back then. And I never had a teacher that really just sat down and taught me it. Okay. Either. So it was just like, yeah, I'm just going to kind of, you know, get through this. Geometry, I think is where I stopped. I never went to calculus or. Did you do algebra uh, yeah, two? I did, I, did, I did algebra one. Okay. And I was horrible at that too. Okay. Math is just not my thing. No. At all. It's not. It's not for everybody. No. Thank God for calculators. (laughs) I remember the argument of uh, they'd always make, what if if you're caught without a calculator? Judging by the track we're on right now, I don't think I'm ever going to be in that situation where I need to do math to that extent. You know, if you're in like a jungle or something, you can get by with basic math. I don't think you necessarily need to do extreme geometry or algebra or you're not building an aircraft at that point. You wouldn't think so. Uh, you're not going to be crafting it out of sticks. No. Would you Would you have a use for it, you think? I don't know. I, I'm sure if we thought long enough, we could find one. I but. enjoyed taking those classes because I actually was good at math. But yeah. then once I got to calculus, calculus was a little bit more of a challenge for me than I was comfortable with because I had always just done really well. And What even is calculus? I don't even know. Yeah, it's just like what comes after all the other stuff. So I took it and it was interesting, but I was glad that I changed my path that I was on and did not need to go on to take all the other levels of calculus because that would have been 
like teeth pulling for me. Sure. I, it's one of those things where if it's your, your thing and you can do it and you have the skills for it, okay, cool. I, I, I see the value of like kind of challenging your mind and, mm-hmm. and essentially working out your brain. I get that. If it's something you can do and your brain functions that way, but I don't think everybody's does. Um, I just I took the classes for what I, I knew would actually get me graduated as fast as I possibly could and that I would maybe have a chance in actually using. And everything else, I was kind of like, I'll never use this, I'll never use that. Well, how do you know? Because I know exactly what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. I'm going to talk into a microphone. So, And it has worked out for you. That's not the case for <laughs> 99% of us. Uh, yeah. There you go. Oh, I was going to be a meteorologist when I graduated high school. That is what I was going to do. Yeah. Calculus killed that. Would, was, would that be a helpful skill for that job? I would think. You have to go through like calculus four and then do differential God. equations and all wow. that. I didn't want to do it. I know. I wanted to be a meteorologist when I was like in second grade. Yeah. I really did. And a meteorologist came to our school, uh-huh. brought a weather map. Tom Mahoney from Channel 5 in Green Bay. I think he's <laughs> retired now. Uh, and uh, it was like the printout of the weather. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, I, I got one and I, I hung it up in my wall. I was so proud of it. Aww. <laughs> it was like, you know, 1989 technology of uh, weather maps. But it was neat. Anyway, continuing on with our show about ghosts. Uh, Patricia writes in. This was told to me by my father based on his experience. I believe this was the first paranormal activity I had experienced before others later in life. It started when I was a few months old. I was put down to go to sleep that night. The crib was in front of me, my parents' bed. That day, my dad had an uneasy feeling. He had trouble going to sleep, and after a while, trying to fight off his uneasiness, he fell asleep. Around 1 a.m., he woke up terrified. He doesn't remember his dream that night, which woke him up. After he woke up, he looked over towards my crib and saw a woman dressed in white. She was leaning over, just watching over me. My dad said he heard me talking to her and giggling. He was so scared, he jumped out of his bed, took me in his arms, and said I was lifeless. I was cold, and it looked like I was choking on my bottle full of milk. He started to do CPR on me, and within seconds, I started to cry. He was frightened. He didn't know what could have happened if he didn't wake up in time. If he didn't have that frightening experience seeing the woman in white over my crib, I probably wouldn't be here telling you the story. Years later, I dreamt about this lady in white when I had nightmares, but I couldn't remember where I had seen her before until my parents told me this story just a few years ago. After commenting to them about this lady in white, thanks for your podcast, and I'll be emailing soon regarding my poltergeist experience at a later time. Okay, so this story, I think, could go either way. It could either go the lady in white was the reason that she was choking, or the lady in white was there for the father to be afraid and come check on the baby. I'm going to go with the lady in white was there to get the attention of the father to go check on the baby. Okay. In a good way. Okay. I don't think she was jamming the bottle in the baby's mouth. No. But the way that she re- repeatedly appeared in her nightmares later on mm-hmm. doesn't give me warm fuzzies about the lady in white. Well, you know, it's interesting. I wonder if... Here's my thoughts on it. I, I think it may be a ghost with a bad rap. Okay. Meaning any ghost in general, good or bad, especially, you know, good ones you're going to have fear of because of the concept of it being a ghost. So... If she knows the story of the lady in white, 
and it's a ghost and it was hovering over your crib. It can be a scary thought, even if it was a good, good intent. Could that then be playing into her subconscious and her mind when she's having these nightmares that the lady in white is being you know, put in there because it is kind of one of her more primal fears that was told to her at a young age? Here's the thing. She didn't know about the story until after she had the nightmares and oh. told her parents about it. Well, that changes everything. Yeah, I know. I don't know. I don't know. I think maybe maybe the nightmare, and she didn't elaborate what the nightmares are about, but yeah. maybe the nightmares are feeling like she's choking and the lady in white's there. Even though that happened to her as a little infant, she shouldn't have any memory of that. Makes you wonder if there's something in her subconscious that's playing over and over. Like, did she see the lady in white, actually? It's been ingrained in her, and then this is coming out as a fear. Possibly. That makes more sense. I don't know. It's hard to tell. It'd be interesting to hear what those nightmares were. Yeah. 855-853-4802. Carla writes in, Hi, you played my story in the episode Ghostly Grandpa. I have a story about a four-year-old boy whose mother had passed away, and the mother visited me in a dream and told me to do right by her son. I should have clarified that the statement was not all, uh, not at all threatening. She said it in a way that implied that she was giving me permission to take care of him. I say this because previous to her having visited me in my dream, a lot of inexplicable things would happen, and after the dream, they stopped. The first time something happened, I was sitting on the couch with the guy I was dating, the husband of the lady who had passed away. We were sitting kind of far apart, and as soon as I moved closer to him, a light bulb actually shot out of the socket of a lamp in my living room. The metal part of the light bulb was sitting in the socket. The glass part of the light bulb shot off the metal part and landed in the trash can a few feet away. The glass didn't break, and the filament was still intact. Needless to say, I was freaked the hell out. I looked over to the guy I was dating and saw that he was staring at the lamp and laughing. He explained that that kind of stuff happened whenever another girl was around him, and he understood it as his deceased wife being jealous and telling me to stay away. I didn't believe him. I'd never been one to believe in ghosts and ghost stories, so I chalked it up to him, wanting to believe his wife was still present. However, after more things like this happened, I changed my mind. Another time, I was in the little boy's room reading a book to him before bedtime, and some clothes from the top of his closet fell down for no apparent reason. Again, I was freaked out, and I looked to the little boy, who was staring at the door and smiling. I didn't ask him what he was looking at, because I already knew the answer. He was smiling at his mom. Later, I told the guy I was dating about what happened, and again, he laughed and told me that 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 had happened before. But a week and a half after the light bulb incident, I had the dream where the lady approached me and told me to do the right thing by her son. After that dream, I never had anything spooky involving the son and his father happen again. So that's why I interpreted the dream to mean that she was giving me permission to be around her son and husband. I think that she had watched me with her son for long enough to know that I would never hurt him and that I truly cared for her son and husband. Do you remember the original letter? Mm-hmm. And we were trying to decide whether it was what the tone was that the do sure. right by my son was delivered with. I do remember that. It was interesting because it, it's hard to tell sometimes in the uh, mm-hmm. the letters. I think what's most unsettling to me about this story, this newer one, is that the 
the guy she was dating was just like, oh, yeah, that happens. Light bulbs are flying out of lamps, but that happens. She's here all the time. I mean, like, I don't know. That might be... Okay, good night, folks. That's it for me. Don't be surprised if your house catches on fire tonight and your car goes off the road or knives happen to fly out of your kitchen sink or in your drawer and oh, it's normal. Yeah. It's normal. It's just my ex, my, my, my dead wife. <laughs> That's all. Yeah. Uh, probably not something she put on her uh, match.com profile. No. Or he put on his profile as far as what uh, what to expect. <laughs> and I come with a son and a poltergeist. Exactly. Uh, 855-853-4802 is our number. Let's go to a caller. Hi. Yeah. Hey, Tony. How you doing? Oh, I, I got a quick story real fast. It's just real fast. It's not, you know, it's not going to be long or nothing. Um, I remember this one time I was doing a construction slash like painting. I was doing some kind of painting work. So I was working for a, a man, you know, he, he lived in a mansion over there by uh, Beverly Hills. And uh, he called me and my partner up to uh, go and work, go and um, fix up a room, you know, like paint it up and, you know, make it look nice and stuff, presentable, you know, because the paint job was a little was a little messed up. So uh, we went in and uh, uh, we, began, we began working. And uh, I met the guy and everything. Uh, his name was Frank. He was a good guy, you know. He was cool. He... Uh, he was a wealthy person, you know, he had money and stuff. He had a good career, you know, he had a son, you know, he had everything and stuff. Then, um, you know, we began working and stuff. And um, I was working at the house for like three days. And um, on my first day being there, I started to like sense like the house wasn't right. Like the, the, there was just something else, like a different type of feeling to the house, you know. And then um, on the second day, I remember uh, my partner left me by myself, and um, I had to paint the ceiling. So uh, while I was painting, like I, I saw a lady, you know, I, I just saw a lady. I'm, I'm, you know, for the moment, I wouldn't have said it was an apparition or nothing. You know, it, uh, she looked very solid. You know, like as if I was looking at somebody else. You know, like another human and stuff. You know, like a, another life person you know like she wasn't see-through or nothing i just saw this lady you know it was just real fast and i blinked and then i looked again and then she was gone and then i was like what and um i remember how she looked and everything so um when i saw frank when he came back um i i told him like is your house haunted you know and he said uh, i don't think so and then um i described him what i saw you know i saw the lady and stuff she had like a long white gown, you know, she had like poofy curly hair. She kind of had like a French little look to her and stuff, you know. And um, I described them to her, you know, like what colored eyes she had. She had like bright blue eyes and stuff, you know. And um, she had like blonde hair, like a blonde curly poofy hair. That's why I said it was like, like a French style and stuff. She kind of looked like old school to it. She didn't look like from this, uh, era you know and then he was surprised he was like oh wow and then i was like well what's going on and then he was like you know to be honest with you he ended up telling me that uh his mother died in that same room that i was painting the ceiling and she died like two years ago and stuff and that's why he called us to come and 
repaint the room because he wanted to turn it into a pool table slash bar and stuff, you know, so we had to paint it and make it look real nice. But before that, you know, I guess it was his mom's room and his mom ended up dying and he didn't know what to do with the room. So he just wanted to make a little entertainment section for himself. And um, because of that experience, you know, he was surprised because, you know, like he kind of felt, he ended up telling me that he kind of felt depressed that, uh, his mom was gone and, you know, of course he's never going to see her again. You know, like when somebody dies, you just never see him again and stuff. And, um, for me to give him that description and everything, it, it gave him like a, a different feeling to the house, how he was living, like, because he felt very lonely and stuff. He, I'm pretty sure he even turned like, you know, like maybe he started drinking a little bit more and stuff. So, uh, because of that experience, you know, I really changed him because he wouldn't, like, have, um, how can I tell you, he, uh, to his surprise, his mom's spirit was still at the house, you know, and maybe through what I told him, he probably felt like, all right, my mom is still here and my mom is still watching me and stuff. So, because of that, <laughs> I ended up getting extra money for the job that I did, you know, and yeah, that was a little crazy experience. I mean, um, Throughout my whole life, I've dealt with, like, paranormal stuff and stuff like that. This is just one of the experiences that um, I went through. But um, I'll be more than happy to, you know, just call back and I'll give you more stories because I got, like, tons and tons of stories, like, you know, like, going from, you know, in the little town of Mexico where my parents are from, coming over here, different types of houses that I've been in and the feelings I've gotten in and what I've seen and... You know, there's just so much stuff that I just been through throughout my life, and um, you know, I, I I would have been skeptical since the beginning. I would have been skeptical, like, oh, I don't believe in spirits and stuff. But throughout my experiences, like, I can't deny them. I can't doubt them. You know, they're just, you know, there were once people that were once living, and you know, they probably can't get over something, or they still have to roam, and you know, or perhaps even like. Uh, let's just say, like, a spirit is not resting because, you know, somebody, like, ends their life in a tragic way and stuff. Of course, that entity is still going to be there, you know, unless, you know, it's solved. Because there's a lot of people out there that get away with doing bad things and stuff like that, but they just move on living their lives while uh, the other uh, victims end up just living a tragic life. For all eternity, you know, just roaming in the same area that they were once living in, and that has a lot to do with old houses and stuff, especially with a lot of our viewers that um, end up growing up in haunted houses for some reason and stuff. You know, I mean, parents they just buy houses, you know, they never expect things, you know. But uh, this stuff is very real, and yeah, I mean, I got more stories. I'll give you a call back, and uh, I'll give you a call back maybe tomorrow. I'll see you later. Do you ever have like a moment in your life where you're like, yep, ghosts are real? Or was it like kind of always an ingrained thing? It was just kind of accepted that this is, that they're out there. That was just something that was just kind of accepted in my household. We would talk about ghosts. And of course, my parents, they would have some stories that they would tell me when I was a kid. But when I was like an older kid, like middle school on up. You know, when I was little, I was like, oh, there's no such thing as ghosts. But we sure watched a lot of ghost-related things. So that never was really a question to me. It was always, my mom uh, always believed in it and and never really did the uh, ghosts aren't real thing to me. (laughs) 
maybe she should have at some point, but she didn't. And I, I never was like really. It's like I was more freaked out by the you know the thriller music video than unsolved mysteries. Uh-huh. So like the, uh, I, I think I was more scared by like the fantasy ghosts, the zombie ghosts that I knew were not real. Just and that would get me riled up. Uh, but the real ghost ghost idea, I don't know, that never really freaked me out all too much. I mean, the idea of actually having an encounter would freak me out, but I was never like really, I mean, I'm the kid who ran through the woods by myself to go play in a cemetery. So I, I guess if I was setting myself up for an encounter, I was all ready to, to take it on with my plastic proton pack on the back of my back, which by the way, I just found the other day in a box. Oh, I'm glad you found it. I think I'm going to put that on uh, a shelf. I really think I'm going to put some of those out. Just old toys, you know, not like tons of them, not like uh-huh. like, like a toy box. But you know how like you, you, like people have displayed, you know, old toys. Yeah, I think I'm going to find a way to display some of the old Ghostbusters. Be good. Be kind of fun. Yeah. Which, by the way, I'm very excited about the uh, the new Ghostbuster stuff that's coming out. Okay. I just read today. That uh, there is the new Ghostbusters movie that's being filmed this summer uh, with with the the female Ghostbusters, um, which I think is going to be neat. I'm excited about that, um, especially having little girls. We have Harper singing Ghostbusters songs now. We do. And uh, I also read that they're actually it looks like they're going to try and make this franchise really what it should have been. You know, how they bring back Superman, they bring back Spider-Man, they bring back all these things, and there's, you know, all these different movies that don't necessarily go in sequential order, and they don't necessarily have sequential storylines that ever play in part with each other. Um, that looks to be what they're the, they're trying to do uh, at Columbia with Ghostbusters. They've actually created a department for Ghostbusters. And That's it, exciting. And, and it's called, uh, gosh, what was the name? I, I, sh- I can find the name of it here. It was it was in the news just the other day here. Uh, That's really exciting. I know at least Little Harper's looking forward to the new Ghostbusters movie. I don't know that Olivia cares at all. Yeah, uh, it's, um, they're planning an all-male Ghostbusters version of a movie coming out. So there's like, there's now two Ghostbuster movies in the works. Um, and I, I guess they're looking at slating four different Ghostbusters movies over it. So they're really going to try and cash in on this thing that, that should have been cashed in on for so long. Uh-huh. Um, because it is like one of the most recognizable logos in the world in history. Sure. Um, but uh, they're opening up uh, this whole production department to it uh, of actually trying to create four new movies. That's exciting. Of the female one, the male one, one that merges the two of them. And then the other word is possibly a uh, prequel. A prequel to, to the original? That's the rumor. I don't know how you do it. Yeah. I don't know how that's all set up or anyway. Interesting stuff. Yeah. If you're into Ghostbusters, which I think was the original thing that got me excited about ghosts <laughs> so anyway uh that's uh I just thought i'd share that for any of the uh, listeners out there who are enjoying the ghostbusters so i think if you like humor and ghosts our show's a good mix and it's kind of like ghostbusters it's uh, ghosts and humor so 
Yeah. Uh, anyway, if you like the show, please support it. Please become an EPP. You sign up on the website, realghoststoriesonline.com. It's only five bucks a month. You uh, keep our show on the air with your support, and you get a bonus episode and access to all 28 of our past bonus episodes when you sign up. So not a bad little thank you there. Uh, please consider checking that out and helping keep our show alive. Until next time, for Jenny Bruski, I'm Tony Bruski. Thanks for listening to another episode of Real Ghost Stories Online. Online.